So I'm sure you probably saw it by now, but Blaze Media teamed up with the family leader to host the first presidential forum of the 2024 Republican primary season. It was hosted by Tucker Carlson. By now, I'm sure you've seen all those viral clips or what I would call the public political executions of Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson. But I want to talk about my thoughts on the Republican candidates, and we will be going from worst to best. So in last place, we have Asa Hutchinson. Hutchinson boasts a pretty impressive resume to an older brand of conservative. Reagan appointed him for the Western District of Arkansas. George W. Bush nominated him as administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration. In 2003, Bush appointed Hutchinson as the Undersecretary for the Border and Transportation Security at the newly established Department of Homeland Security. Hutchinson retired from the Bush administration in 2005. He's been in the House of Representatives, a governor of Arkansas. His brother, Tim Hutchinson, is a lobbyist for Greenberg Tarig in a multinational law and lobbying firm. But Hutchinson has been in the game for so long that I don't think he keeps his edge up anymore. So when Tucker started grilling him about the emerging science regarding negative effects for puberty blockers and other gender affirmative care options, Asa doubled down. In the subsequent two years, you, you had said that you drew the line at castration of, of physical altercation of a child's body because it's permanent. But in the subsequent two years, I think we've learned that hormone therapy for prepubescent children is permanent. It changes the bone structure. It changes the brain of the child. It, a lot of people believe, including me, that it, it destroys the child's life. But it is permanent. It's not reversible. So given that and the standard you just articulated, do you have different feelings? I mean, this is a permanent change we are making to a child. Why would we allow that if we don't allow surgery? Well, you, permanent change is one issue, but also hormonal treatment is a different issue and can be a different issue. And whenever you look at the bill that I vetoed, there was not any grandfather clause in there. Again, uh, I respect legislators that have a different view, but I think independently, I think of the parents, I think of the Constitution, and actually the court, if you read the decision of the federal judge that struck it down as unconstitutional, really sided with parents as well. But how is, it, treat but how is it treatment? I guess that's my question. If you have a child who says, who's born a boy, I want to become a girl, he hasn't gone through puberty yet, he's say 10. Is it treatment? to prevent him from going through the natural process of adolescence? How is that treatment? It, it seems not like treatment. It seems like something else. Well, you have to, Tucker, I hope that we'll be able to talk about some issues. I know that- Well, this is one of the biggest issues in the country. And I think I would, every person in this room would agree that it is a, a central issue because it, these are children who are being altered permanently. And you can defend that alteration, that change, if you like. But there's really no debate about whether or not it's permanent. Now, it would be different if Asa could cite studies supporting his position. He didn't. In fact, he acted like a child and got visibly upset. This is someone who has been in politics for decades. But his ignorance on the topic shows what little he does to stay informed on issues. And someone like that who wants to be president is in it for the wrong reasons and would do whatever he was told to do. Up next, we have Mike Pence. Believe it or not, but I like Mike Pence. Mike Pence also suffers from many of the same problems as Asa does. 
when Tucker challenged him on religious persecution in Ukraine, he got competitive. I personally believe that Mike Pence had no idea that the Russian Orthodox Church was being persecuted. He should have just admitted that and said he would pursue stipulations contingent on no religious persecution, but instead he seemingly lied and got upset when challenged. I'm confused. On this question, it's very clear that the Zelensky government has arrested priests for having views they disagree with. That's not consistent with religious liberty. It's an attack on it, and we're funding it. And I'm just wondering how is it, and I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, but I sincerely wonder how a Christian leader could support the arrests of Christians for having different views. Well, what, what, what I can tell you is I asked the Christian leader in Kiev if that was in fact happening, and he assured me that it was not. People were not being persecuted for their religious beliefs. Now, he, he let me, no let me, let me take arrested? a break here. I know we disagree on this strongly, but I, I respect your right to your opinion on Ukraine, and I trust you'll respect mine. But, look, but, I, look, but okay. look yes. I've been to Ukraine now twice. Some commentators feel his huffing and puffing was only after he got upset, but I personally think it was evident from the beginning of the interview that his huffing and puffing is from poor health. How about a round of applause for Tucker Carlson for being here and doing this, everybody? The only I thought I was going to get off easy. I got on stage. There was no Tucker. Along with Democrat majorities in the House and Senate, they, they launched a gusher of spending, $2 trillion in unnecessary spending that, that initiated the worst inflation in 40 years. The man looks like he's aged a decade the past few years. Listen to Mike Pence from the radio days and compare him to now and tell me you think he hasn't slipped some. It is, in fact, Memorial Day weekend this weekend. Beginning today, the 500 Festival Committee organizes a special commemoration on the American Legion Mall in Indianapolis, Indiana. He's completely lost what the young kids call his riz. Nikki Haley is next. Nikki knew she was going into the lion's den, and she survived it. You can tell Nikki is a smooth operator and was more than happy to brag about her time as governor and as United States ambassador to the United Nations. She really tried to get the crowd on her side with this story about firing John Kerry's sister. But when I was at the United Nations, my very first week, very first week, someone got on the phone with the press and told them what I was going to do. None of it was what I was going to do. And so I called my staff and I said, who is this? And get rid of them. You're not going to believe who it was. John Kerry's sister. John Kerry's sister worked at the U.S. mission at the United Nations. And I said, get rid of her. And they said, you can't. She's here for six more months. And I said, you take her key pass, you take her computer, and we will pay her to sit at home. But she is not to walk back into this building. Wow. Well, then you have to be willing to really do the things to shake it up. It was a good story. I'll give her that. But she was completely humorless throughout the interview. And of all the candidates, Tucker frankly grilled her the least because she has the least potential. Haley and our next candidate, Tim Scott, both discussed the mental health crisis in our country. Haley discussed more governmental control over patient outcomes and holding doctors liable, while Tim Scott pushes a more classically conservative message of, if you are able-bodied, we are going to put you to work. Regardless, 
Both of these sounded like they came from some conservative think tank and didn't really seem natural or like they were even passionate about it or even tenable. I ranked Tim Scott higher because I do trust him more. He does seem wooden to me, but I sincerely believe that he believes exactly what he is saying. He is tough on the banks and has a record to back this up. One of the areas I'm the leading Republican on the banking committee, I think when banks go belly up and leave the bag for the American taxpayer, we should claw back the money from those bank executives. <laughs> I led that, that, that legislation to get that done, number one. Number two, here, here's- Donors don't like that. So that They don't like that at all, no question about that. There are some critics that felt it was strange of him to stand up in the middle of the interview and walk around the stage, but I liked it. My mama wanted to preach or someone will stand up and do it the <laughs> way. Preach! Hallelujah! So, literally, so I think one of the failures of President Biden has been his inability to articulate America's national vital interest in the conflict or the genocide in Ukraine. I'm sure it was more personable for those in the crowd, and it also filmed well. Something that was brought up by Glenn Beck was that despite Scott's strengths and his high ceiling, he doesn't have a campaign message or a specific goal. Trump wanted to make America great again. Biden's build back better. Obama's change. Even Bernie had the crowdsourced feel the burn. I think with the right team behind him, Scott could go far, but he needs to feel more organic. Up next is Ron DeSantis. I have days where I love Ron DeSantis, and I have days where I think Ron DeSantis is a snake in the grass. DeSantis's interview with Tucker was DeSantis on his A-game. He had a sense of humor. He had great answers to questions. You could see the policy nerd side of him light up and get into specifics. Well, if I am the president on day one, we will nix central bank digital currency. Done, dead, not happening in this country. In the state of Florida, because the Fed has been talking about this. Oh, yeah. And what the Fed said was, well, you know, we wouldn't do it without consulting the legislative and executive branches. Ideally, we would get a law passed. No, 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 no. That's not how the Constitution says. It's only ideal that you get a law passed. You would have to get a law passed. I don't think Congress would pass that. So I think the Fed may try to do something unilaterally. So what we did in Florida is we basically passed a law that says we do not recognize CBDC in the state of Florida. And I think other states are probably going to follow suit. That will jam their ability to do it through executive action. They don't have authority to do it. There'd be lawsuits and everything. For those who don't know what CBDC is, what they want to do, and this is tied in with like Davos, World Economic Forum, all these people. They want the Fed, they want to get rid of cash. They want no cryptocurrency, and they want this to be the sole form of legal tender. And they have said this publicly at like Davos and these other places. It will allow them to prohibit, quote, undesirable purchases like fuel and ammunition. And so the minute you give them the power to do this, they are going to impose a social credit system on this country. CBDC is a massive threat to American liberty. On January 20th, 2025, it goes to the ash heap of history in this country. DeSantis is kind of like this generation's Nixon. He is polarizing, but has a brilliant mind. But he lacks riz. That's charisma for the boomers. What would you rate your riz on a scale of one to 10? Oof, it's horrible. I also worry about his ability to put a team around him 
outside of Dr. Latipo, who does DeSantis have that is talented? Christina Pushaw is a bully. Jeremy Redfern is just as bad. His campaign staff is falling apart already. He's fired a third of them. One of the complaints I've heard about the DeSantis team is they're too online. There was the Twitter spaces launch, yes, but it, it was it's more about the petty Twitter squabbles that we see some connected with your campaign having that will take up three days of the news cycle that don't really amount to anything substantive for the voters in Iowa and elsewhere. Is that a fair point? So look, uh, we have people that are doing this rapid response. I'm not putting my time into it at all. I mean, you know, they're going and going back and forth. You know, there's kind of a battle that does online. I am not somebody who's who's following that uh, very closely. It's just not my cup of tea. You know, he was on Megyn Kelly today, and he was discussing how he's restarting his campaign. The campaign itself has said it needed a reset and that it's doing a reset right now. Are you saying well, there haven't but been problems? But, th but that's, a, that's a process part. That's not about message and that's not about getting out there with voters. You know, that's about how you're applying resources to the campaign headquarters versus the early states. So, so that's been taken care of, but ultimately that is not what's gonna be determinative um, in the race. What's gonna be determinative in the race is you know, we need someone that can beat Joe Biden. We need somebody that's going to be a strong leader that has a record of success. We need someone that's actually going to get this stuff done. We talk about things like the border. We talk about things like, you know, the economy. We talk about things um, like dealing with, uh, say, the medical bureaucracy. But we actually have to bring this to fruition. And what I bring is someone in Florida. Everything I said I would do, we delivered on. And in fact, most people overpromise and underdeliver. We made bold promises and we overdelivered on our promises. And so that's the type of leader they'll get with me. And I can get that. And I think that's good for him. But who is still a part of the team? Sure, he has time to ride the boat. But this is the man who has already put out two of the worst ads in political history. Everyone knows my husband, Ron DeSantis, is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league, so good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. It's you, it's you and me. And could, I make a deal with God. And I get in this places. Be running up that road. Be running up that hill. Be running up that building. Say, Seriously, y'all, Dennis Kucinich, who is RFK's campaign manager, is doing a better job than DeSantis's team. And you have all of the media coming after RFK like nobody's business. Is it because the media fears RFK? Remember, big pharma bankrolls like every news station. Or is it because RFK's campaign team has him talking with people all the time. RFK has more podcast appearances than almost anyone at this point. 
But in the past week, we've seen DeSantis go on Jake Tapper and Megyn Kelly. So it looks like someone is getting in his ear and getting him out there. And that's good. Though he wasn't there because he was at a Turning Points event, Trump is next for me. I'm not going to say much, but I need to hear I was wrong. If Trump could just admit he was wrong on some things concerning COVID and he was wrong about people like John Bolton, it would go a long way for me. The establishment is still rapidly doing everything they can to destroy him. You know, he has new indictments coming regarding destroying security footage at Mar-a-Lago. They have spent nearly a decade at this point digging up dirt on this man and have found very little. Plus, Trump does a good job staying in the public eye. He has been to multiple UFCs. By the time this comes out, he might have had another UFC appearance. Every time he goes out, whether it's to a courthouse or for a campaign appearance, a city gets shut down, and he is still dearly missed on Twitter. I'd like to see the revenge tour. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I think it would be fun. <laughs> but I do need to see some humility from the man with the biggest ego in the United States of America. I always call it massive. Sometimes they say huge. Not a bad one. Huge. And last but not least, my favorite is Vivek Ramaswamy. When Ramaswamy said he was running and surprised everyone with this, when he went on Tucker, I thought it was kind of cringe. I was embarrassed for the guy, but he's proved me wrong. Every Ramaswamy policy has been an absolute slam dunk. The Russia-China alliance is the single greatest threat that the U.S. actually faces today. And we are pushing Russia closer into China's arms by actually continuing to arm Ukraine. So what I've said is that I would negotiate a deal that ends the Ukraine war, frees the current lines of control. Yes, that means giving part of the Donbass region to Russia. I would make a hard commitment that NATO never admits Ukraine to NATO. And those seem like unspeakable words in the, certainly the Republican donor class. But we get something greater in return, which is that Putin, in that case, would have to exit his military partnership with China and remove nuclear weapons from Kaliningrad, which border Poland, and get the Russian military out of Cuba and Venezuela and the West. And this is a deal that Putin should do because he ends up winning. He gets things that he doesn't have today. But it secures American interests, too. Views have changed in part by my belief that we're not as divided as they make it out to be, right? Because many CEOs in this country are frightened, right? Of speaking their mind openly, it actually stops many of them will say, well, my, you know, stops them from being donors to me, to maybe other causes. They're deathly scared because they believe that we're a nation at our breaking point. And in some ways we are because we let it get there. But one of the things I've been convinced of, I've changed my mind on is that I don't think we're nearly as divided as we're taught to believe. But I went to the south side of Chicago. It's one of the places it's not really where the political advisors would tell you to go if you're in a Republican primary. I went to you know, Kensington in downtown in, in the inner city of Pennsylvania in, in Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, the people in those rooms, especially in the south side of Chicago, where they're converting South Shore High School into an encampment for migrants who they're spending $7,000 per person per month on, this is the supposedly far left, nearly entirely black, Democratic voting bloc. 
And I have never heard more eloquent cases for securing the border and actually prioritizing the interests of Americans than I heard in that room. What did they say? They said, what about us? Yeah. Amen. Was, it was actually the right way to say that. And, and, and it came out in many ways where, look, we are Christians. We believe in treating these people humanely. But it's not right that they're spending $7,000 a month and getting baby formula when I couldn't find baby formula a year ago. I can't buy sneakers for my kids. They're providing sneakers for those kids. How does that work? How is that advancing my interest? And actually, this you just reminded me of this. <laughs> Many of them were asking me, as though I was on the side of it, of why on earth we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. So it was interesting to me that the traditional partisan boundaries as drawn are really sort of retrofitted. We're sort of shoehorning an old structure, which sort of shoehorned the modern truth into sort of an antiquated view where I don't think the dividing line in our country is between Republicans and Democrats right now. I think it is between those of us who are pro-American, who believe in the ideals of this country, who will not apologize for those ideals, who will stand up and sacrifice for those ideals, and those of us who are, and it exists in this country, I mean, the vice president's a great embodiment of this, anti-American. Those who wish to apologize for a nation founded on our ideals. But if you divide it up that way, it is not 50-50 anymore. It's not even close. It's easily 80-20 in our favor, and half the 20 are people younger than me who never learned what those ideals were in the first place. You know, my parents came to this country with almost no money. I've gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. And then people tell me, oh, that's because you had privilege. <laughs> they tell me white privilege. It's sort of weird. It's sort of an interesting. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Do you, do you tell them? <laughs> I say, I, I say, take the blindfold off, <laughs> and, and, and now you have your answer. But, but the interesting answer is, actually what I do tell him, Tucker, is that I did have privilege. I didn't grow up in money, but I had two parents in the house, a mother and a father, with a focus on education and a faith in God. And you know what? That is the ultimate privilege. That if I'm going to enjoy that, every kid in this country ought to enjoy it too. He's a great communicator. He isn't afraid to go into enemy territory to win over the opposition. He is now neck and neck with DeSantis. And remember, Ramaswamy was a unknown before this. And DeSantis has a pretty big rep at this point. I think that's really impressive. And I want to see how far Ramaswamy can go. And I think he has what Trump had in 2016, where people are just gravitating towards him because Ramaswamy has picked up positions that have just been neglected by everyone else in the GOP. But there are other people running for president. Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, Perry Johnson, the businessman and quality guru, Will Hurd, the former never-Trump Texas congressman, Ryan Binkley, the businessman pastor, Doug Burgum, the tech executive and current governor of North Dakota. But there are two more long shots that have far more of a chance than those I just listed. That's going to be Chris Christie and Larry Elder. Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, is one of the loudest critics of Trump. And for this reason, he gets a lot of free airtime on CNN and MSNBC. We were there in Pickens when Donald Trump had his big rally. 50,000 people, according to the police chief there. Yeah, I don't buy that, but okay. If you were able to stand up on that stage, what would you tell his supporters? Because it seems he, like... By the way, the exact same thing I said tonight. There's not two versions of the truth. 
And what he gets up there and does, and he lies to those people. He says, I'm getting indicted for you. The hell is that? He did this stuff. He got himself in trouble. And now he wants to have the American people pay for it. And so I wouldn't say anything different, whether I was in Pickens or whether I'm here in Columbia. The message isn't different. People deserve the truth, and they deserve a president who can give them results. He lies, and he failed. Now, I can imagine a situation where you get the Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham side of the GOP really pushing hard to distance themselves from all the legal battles Trump is in. And they think maybe someone who is such a strong never-Trumper like Chris Christie is someone that they should throw their clout behind. I don't think that's an impossible situation that could develop. And for that reason, I think Chris Christie has an edge that some of the other people don't have. Larry Elder is someone that I really love. Elder is one of those public figures that is always being attacked, being besmirched, and ridiculed. And no one ever has the guts to debate him one-on-one. -on -one, and they do their best to not engage with him because his ideas can be very powerful. He's a smart cookie. He's a great communicator. He's deeply engaging. And I just want to go forward with what he is pushing for if he were to be president. A Larry Elder presidency is going to focus on these following issues. He's going to be hard on crime. He wants school choice. He wants racial harmony. He's going to battle inflation. He's going to restore American cities, secure the border, contain China, and he wants economic growth. Those are the eight policies that he deeply wants to focus on. Larry Elder recently appeared on TimCast, and he was a tour de force. There's a, a website called policemag.com, and they asked people who are self-described as very liberal, how many unarmed black men did the police kill in 2019? Half of them thought the police killed 1,000. 8% thought they killed 10,000. Mm -hmm. And then people who were self-described as liberal, 39% of them thought the police killed 1,000 unarmed black men in 2019. Mm -hmm. And 5% thought they killed 10,000. The answer was 12, yeah. according to the Washington Post database. Yeah, was, That's how deluded people are between what's really going on and what they think is going on. In fact, the police kill more unarmed whites every year than they kill unarmed blacks. There was a study done some years ago where government school teachers, which is a term I prefer rather than public school teachers, government school teachers were asked where you send your own school-age kids. Nationwide, 10% of us send our kids to private school. 6% mm. of black families do. 49% of Philadelphia government school teachers with school-age kids put their own kids in private school. What a shock. Which shows you the people who know the schools the best teachers aren't putting their own kids in it. What yep. does that tell you? When you see how what sausages are made, you don't want to feed them to your kid, I guess. Mm -hmm. My Republican father said this about the Democrats. Democrats want to give you something for nothing. Mm -hmm. When you try and get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. <laughs> One of his favorite statements. Speaking That's of which, speaking point. of which, in order for me to qualify for that next debate, yes, next month in August 23rd is the debate. I need to have donations from 40,000 individuals. You can donate as little as $1. Just go to my website, Larry. Uh, elderforpresident.com or LarryElder.com, $1. This vast audience, $1. Even if you want somebody else to talk about the kinds of things we're talking about, the epidemic of fatherlessness, the lie that America is systemically racist, the need for an amendment to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP, school choice. I even have a proposed legislation to get rid of these soft on crime George Soros-backed DAs. That's great. And that's on my website, LarryElder.com. So even if you want somebody else to put those issues front and center, have me up there, hold my beer. So just one dollar, and, and it, it, just one dollar. They only have to donate one dollar. That's right. going to help you get on stage. Forty thousand individual donations. What kind the, of debate do you want, yeah. guys? We want an interesting debate. Yeah, you yeah. want the great Eldersky up there, or what? The black face of white supremacy <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> so there you have it, everybody. A millennial's thoughts on who would be the best 
in this current field of Republican candidates for president. Until next time, everybody. Catch you later. That's problematic!